0: Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cypher, where our mission is to foster allyship, empathy, and understanding. I am your host, Ramses Ja.
1: He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are tuned in Civic Cypher.
0: Indeed, you are. And in today's episode, we have more than a treat for you. We are once again joined by a good friend of the show and a, a hero. She-Row of ours, the one and only Diane Post, who is an activist and a lawyer and the curator of the action alerts that are responsible for circulating legislative information to constituents and voters and just a joy and a pleasure. To be around, so welcome back to the show.
2: Well, thank you very much. That was a great an introduction. Sure,
1: sure. I, I, when you said her name, I tried to push a button for a standing ovation <laughs> for, for the air horns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I needed need be need celebratory when you said her name. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, you know, obviously, there's a, a lot that we're going to talk about today. But in, in the in the last since the last time you've been up here, which it, to be honest, I, I looked and it was it's been almost a couple of years. It's been too long. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but since then. Um, the show has grown, but the world has changed, and this conversation we're about to have is long overdue, and I fear it will be too short, but uh, I'm really excited to to talk with you. We're going to be discussing, um, briefly discussing, we're going to have other guests on because you plugged us into a whole new community, but we'll be discussing um, reparations. We're going to be d- discussing a restrictive covenant bill that everyone needs to be on the lookout for. Um, Some other really cool things that you mentioned earlier. I want to make sure we talk about the startled baby reflex. We're also going to be talking about uh, some of the attacks on affirmative action, the attacks on DEI. And, of course, what we can do to pull some power back from our local elected officials. So stay tuned for that and so much more. But first and foremost, like we always do at this time, let's discuss some ebony excellence,
1: shall we? We shall. So today's ebony excellence Actually, you want to hit this one? Sure, go ahead. Today's Ebony Excellence, sponsored by Actively Black. There is greatness in our DNA. Visit activelyblack.com. Uh this is come this comes from Gistriel.com. Yep. Nigerian man Tunde Onakoye plays chess with ten opponents at the same time in Germany he wins every match. Mm. The founder of Chess and Slums, Tunde Onakoye, made his country proud following his challenge with 10 players simultaneously in Germany, and he managed to win every match. During a recent conference in Germany, the chess master participated in a competitive event where he faced off against 10 opponents, 10 opponents simultaneously engaging in a dynamic chess match he moved around against each of the players for about two hours and effortlessly won against all of his opponents tunde whose intent was to raise funds for 100 children in his foundation made his people proud as he shared his victory on the x platform after the intense competition quote on day two of the dld conference i played a simultaneous chess match against 10 opponents at once after an almost two hour battle of wits I managed to win all the games. The chess exhibition helped us raise enough money to support the education of 100 children in our academy, end quote, he wrote. Um, Wow, I don't know if I can beat 10 people at the same time at anything. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, shout outs isn't enough. I wish I could crown this man myself. (laughs) You know,
0: something that's really cool about stories like these is uh, we try to highlight E- ebony excellence in places where folks might not expect it but there's a the, the other side of this coin is that he's a do-gooder on the continent of yes, africa indeed. and i think that that's fantastic now let's get to the topic at hand diane post joins us
1: in the studio i just tried to push the stand ovation listen it's man like, she, we need air horns man <laughs> it's, it's time it's going down <laughs>
0: okay so Little bit of a backstory. We bumped into each other. Um, this might have been a week a week or two ago. At no a,
2: last yeah, last Wednesday.
0: Last Wednesday, okay. At the YWCA. It was an event, a community event, right? Mm-hmm. Celebrating some really powerful uh, women in the community. Leaders, yes. Leaders, exactly. And we started having a conversation and the conversation, effectually what we were discussing was you know what are we talking about that that has to do with you know environmental racism? What are we talking about that has to do with the reparations? What are we you know? And if you know Diane and and for those of you that are able to check out the press materials and everything for the show, you get a look at her. She's a woman who just her her posture commands a certain respect from you. So it's very very much yes ma'am uh, yes ma'am. I'll get right on that. You know that sort of thing, right? Um, But we. In short order, decided. You know what? We need to have you back up. You know, I we miss this energy. We need this energy. Our listeners need this energy, and we need to. Be, because the truth of the matter is that, as a lawyer and as someone who's so active politically, you know things. You you get it uh, insider information, and you just have a better understanding of the workings of government and how power is wielded than most folks. And we famously are. And I don't want to make us sound like just radio DJs, but we're DJs who felt like we needed to create a platform for people with voices such as yours. So what I want to do is start this conversation and we'll just get some of your thoughts um, with a topic and then we'll have a brief discussion about that. We'll move to the next one. So sure. the first one uh, is reparations. Mm. So when you hear the word reparations, where does your mind go?
2: Well, my mind goes to the fact that it's absolutely way past time.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: The reparations movement has been going since 1940, I think, and the bill has been introduced every year. But it is ramping up. And one thing I want to say about what looks kind of like a bad situation with the um, mega people rising up and trying to ban books and do all these things. The answer to that is double fight back. Mm -hmm. You know, do more and overpower that mm-hmm. and that's really what's happening i think with the reparations movement nationwide there's a couple of nationwide groups working on it and we want to bring it here to arizona As we should bring it everywhere reparations have been paid already mm-hmm. to the japanese mm-hmm. and to some of the native american tribes mm-hmm. why not the blacks mm-hmm. so the newest toll we did a lot of research um i'm working with another woman there and we're going to try to put together a conference here in arizona to start the movement to get it going uh, here in arizona as with the national movement mm-hmm. and um what we found out was that i forgot what i was saying
0: well listen <laughs> i while, while 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 you gather your thoughts i do want to to uh break this down a bit because there's been a lot oh, of that's <laughs> what
2: i was saying okay the well, polls, polls the okay. polls of of the approving of it or not you know, blacks have always approved of reparations mm-hmm. from you know 40 acres and the mule mm-hmm. whites have not but the polls are changing especially after the George Floyd incident and all the uprising against the violence by the police, et cetera. The the polls have really changed to whites being in favor of it, especially younger ones Mm -hmm. who don't have the, you know, negative uh, associations during the civil rights movement and all of that sort of thing, you know? So as the, we become a newer nation with younger people who are taking the place of the old leaders the, the mood is changing that mm-hmm. people are more more whites even are in favor of reparations. OK,
0: so one of the things that I feel is is really important when it comes to not just reparations, but really any form of restorative economic yes. justice is understanding the counterpoints, because those are things that inevitably you will uh, c- brush up against. Right. Um, and that's really with anything, politically speaking. Yes. But uh, with this argument in particular well go ahead
2: go ahead finish your thought
0: so with this argument in particular there is so much on the other side of it that it feels like if you need to be informed and and empowered to take on any sort of opposition this is the one that you need to take the most serious and so what i was going to say is that we shared q and i we share on in our group chat uh do you remember the video where they were talking about uh reparations and there was it might might have been a fox news piece or something like that but there was a gentleman saying um reparations is going to make everyone jealous of black people
1: yes he was presenting as a as a case or a reason why we shouldn't do it it's Mm kind of like i can't give this kid a popsicle because then i have to give all the kids a popsicle that kind of elementary rhetoric Mm -hmm. used to manipulate a room and when you have a room for the people who are already against it that's a great place to start. Sure, sure. So do me a favor, Q, go ahead and
0: explain some of these lists that you put together here, because I think that this is fantastic.
1: So, you know, in legal matters, especially there they're, and not just legal, but policy, it helps when there's a precedent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just so happen to have several. <laughs> uh, 1990, the USA granted reparations uh, in the amount of one point six billion dollars to Japanese Americans. Also in 1990, Austria, $25 million to Holocaust survivors. 1988, Canada, 250000 square miles of land to Native Aboriginal communities, Indian and, es- and Eskimo. Also 1988, $230 million to Japanese Canadians. 1986, the USA, $32 million to the Ottawa of Michigan in the 1839 Treaty. Uh, 1985, $31 million to the Chippewa of Wisconsin. Uh, similar in eighty five, the USA twelve point three million to the Seminoles of Florida, and I could go on. And oh, you could no, go on please, 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 exactly because, because you get to the
0: bottom. Then the rest of these are the USA. There's another one from Germany, but most of these are from the USA. Same yes, reparations.
1: Do me a favor, read that last one. Well, I'm gonna keep going. Nineteen eighty-five, oh, go the USA one hundred and five million to the Sioux of South Dakota, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty eighty one million to the Klamaths of Oregon, nineteen seventy one one billion dollars to Alaska natives and. 44 million acres of land. 1952, Germany, most famously, $822 million to Holocaust survivors. From 1865 to the present, the United States of America to the survivors of slavery and Jim Crow, zero. Dollars. zero
2: mm-hmm. zero exactly so there's your and express.
1: zero acres of land mm-hmm.
2: and there, that you mentioned the jim crow thing this is one of the things that rj who i really would like to come on and talk about this mm-hmm. with you is had talked about the fact that this isn't just about slavery, slavery. Yeah. it's since slavery on mm-hmm. the black codes jim crow de facto segregation on and on and on Red up lining, to you know? today redlining which i want to talk about with restrictive covenants on up to today that economic depression is still there Mm -hmm. and it gets to the point where you read those all the other things we've done and the hawaiians are fighting for reparations and an apology as well Mm -hmm. you know the native hawaiians Mm -hmm. and how can you justify these and then say oh but not black people Mm -hmm. how is that possible it's not possible with any kind of a logical brain it's only possible behind racism Mm -hmm.
0: now now i i i know that we could Keep talking about this, but I want to shift because there's a good point that we can hit hinge. Yes, segue exactly. Now, when you talk about certain things only being possible because of racism, one of the things that jumps out in my brain is environmental racism. (laughs) It is only possible for this planet to be polluted if there is a group of people who have been subjugated and marginalized, who occupy a piece of land that you can use to put your dirty factories or dump your trash or otherwise disenfranchise this community so that your excess, the waste that is uh, accumulated as a result of your excess can land somewhere. right? And so these people have to be, again, politically disenfranchised, uh, economically disenfranchised, Mm and historically subjugated in other words historically there is no framework for a governmental agency to care about them right so you sent me a case study in arizona but it is a, it is a textbook example
2: nationwide
0: nationwide indeed uh from a place called randolph arizona which i'll be honest i live in arizona with you and thank you <laughs> never heard of randolph arizona but Um, Give us a little bit of history about this, because I think that everyone would um, enjoy learning about this, but also can see a little bit of themselves and their communities in this story.
2: Randolph, Arizona was founded in the 1920s by a guy who owned a railroad and thought he was going to make it the stopping point between Chicago and Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen. But that is a cotton picking area, cotton growing area. Mm -hmm. And they needed cotton pickers. Well, where did they get them? Mm. They got them from Oklahoma and Arkansas. And so they actually had uh, labor contractors who went there and brought them back. When they came, some of them had money. They weren't all poor. Some of them had money and went to Coolidge, Arizona, to buy a house, and they were not allowed. Mm. So they went out and they bought houses or land, well, land, because there weren't any houses there, in what is now Randolph. Mm -hmm. And they're still there today, and their 100th anniversary is next year, 2025. And it's a historically black community. There are Gila River Indians that's near the Gila River Indian Reservation. A lot of them live in there as well, in mm-hmm. Hispanics. And so they became, over the years, surrounded, starting in the 1980s, with heavy industry. They are an uh, unincorporated rural area, agricultural area. So they're in Pennell County. They are not in Coolidge. So they're a little rectangle, 8 by 5 blocks. Wow. If you can figure that out. Mm-hmm. 8 by 5 blocks. How about 150 people live there? There used to be about... 800 people live there. Now it's really down to 150. And they started to ring them all around with heavy industry. Smells, pollution, noise, trucks, the whole thing. You know, they fought. They fought for 50 years they've been fighting and they lost time after time after time. So in 2021, Salt River Project tried to build or put an application in to build more than double their existing power plant that they have there. And so they fought, and this is how bad it is. You talk about reparations. They had never, in the three years that they owned that power plant, been owned um, about 19 years before by TransCanada. Well, they bought it in three years prior to that, and never once spoke to the Randolph residents. Never once did one thing for them. Even though they said, we're good neighbors, we like to work with our neighbors, and I said in the trial, how many times had you actually talked to anybody from Randolph? zero you know you heard that number didn't you zero how much assistance did you offer randolph Zero. Zero. so uh, during the trial one of the guys from there came and he testified that they were protesting and so saltwater project came to them and said you know well we want to shut up your protest of course they didn't say that but that's what they meant you know and they offered him guess how much they offered him saltwater project is a six billion dollar company per person no what no. they offered him no what we're all th- about
1: Hundred thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars. Whoa, whoa! I know you. That was very low estimate. Q. I tried to be insultingly low. <laughs> well,
2: this was so insulting. I, I mean,
1: tried to be insulting t- on purpose, and I still overshot.
2: He offered this fifteen thousand dollars to a guy who used to run the entire Southern California fast food franchise. So he wasn't a dummy. He was very well versed in you know money and negotiations and all of that. He said it was such a slap in the face. It was clear to him, yeah. there's no going anywhere with this. Yeah. So the NAACP in uh, Pennell County called up and said, Diane, you got to go get down there and testify at this, you know, hearing. I didn't even know anything about it. I'd never heard of Randolph either, mm-hmm. and so I had to look up everything. And I called her back and I said, These people don't need. it's not going to help for me to get down there and testify. Mm-hmm. You, they need a lawyer. She said, Well, you're a lawyer. I said, I don't know anything about environmental injustice. This was so clearly a case of environmental injustice. So I don't know anything about environment, I, the environmental law. I don't know anything about that. Well, you got to find somebody. So I tried like the devil to find somebody. Time was running out. It had to be filed by January 4th. That happens to be my birthday. Mm. And so
0: Happy I couldn't belated.
2: find anybody. Everybody I called in Arizona to do it. Well, we worked for SRP. Whoa. Wow. So nobody could take the case. So I called nationally, you know, the Louisiana cancer zone and all these other cases, Chicago, these places going around with environmental interest. Nobody had time and everybody was busy. So I said, OK, OK, I'll file the thing and then I'll find somebody. We're going on three years now and I'm still the attorney and the only one. Right. So there we are. So um, they've the, the community testified at the administrative hearing lost seven to two. So then we appealed to the Corporation Commission. Sierra Club was also in it with us and Western Resource. So there were three of us fighting Salt River Project. So then we appealed to the Corporation Commission, had a hearing at the Corporation Commission, won mm. four to one. We were hoping three to two, but when we got four to one, we almost fell off our chairs. Sure. So we're very happy to see that. So then Salt River Project, of course, wasn't going to take that land down. So then they appealed to the superior to the superior court and we went to trial on that and we won. Mm. Nice. Yes. So finally they said uncle.
0: Okay.
2: Because they wanted that plant. So so then we started a negotiation process and we ended up with a little bit different monetary mm. settlement. Okay. And the whole plant got moved. It got cut in half. So the pollution is lowered and the the site line, you know, it won't be such an eyesore. Cause so it was moved away, blah blah blah. So different things happened and different amount of money was um offered in the next 20 years for the rebuilding of that community, scholarships, job development, community center, health care, transportation, road, the roads have all, there were no roads. Everything was dirt, halves. Huh? So there were no roads or sidewalks or fire hydrants, no fire hydrants. You have no fire hydrants, you can't get insurance on your home. If you can't get insurance on your home, you can't get a loan on your home, now can you, or a mortgage or anything. No new housing had been built in Randolph since 1979. Yeah. Well, listen,
0: rarely do stories have happy endings <laughs> on this show. So kudos to you and to indeed the entire team that helped to fight that fight. But and the
2: people and the who people. need to be here and tell their stories. Exactly.
0: But what I want to do is take a moment because I, I feel like it's important to illuminate exactly what environmental racism and environmental justice looks like. When we talk about healthcare outcomes for black and brown people in this country. When we talk about economic um, empowerment for black and brown people in this country, this example shows exactly how ju- just just where you live can affect those two things. Yep. Your zip your, code. your your zip code, the place that you were born into, the, the the place where you're raised, you know, a lot of for a lot of people in this country, they have zero control over that. Yep. That's just where they are. There And there is no mobility because of that. So it's not as simple as just move or just change your circumstances or boots, whatever the bootstrap thing is, that physically is impossible. And it was a joke when it was first introduced into popular use in the. I it, think was it was supposed a, to be a joke. It was a joke. Yes, it literally was a joke. It was a joke in yes. newspaper in the late 1800s, early 1900s, something like that. But um before we uh, wrap up this segment, I do want you to share just a quick fun fact where you were saying uh, you were discussing these these startle reflex. And and we'll come back with the restricted. Okay.
2: A study has been done and uh, I've got uh, 2008 and they followed babies when they were very first born. They were babies. Mm-hmm. What was their startle reflex? And the startle reflex is how you respond to like a sudden noise or. Uh, a loud particularly a loud noise Mm -hmm. you know how babies they can jump and start screaming or they can just lay there and look weird or whatever Mm -hmm. so they measured these babies on how strong was their startle reflex they followed these babies for 30 years so they followed them to when they were 30 years old and then they looked at their political opinions at that time Mm -hmm. and what they found was the babies with the biggest startle reflex who which is shocked and scared, that's what you are, you're scared when you're startled like that, sure. who were the most scared were the most conservative. Mm-hmm. They wanted nothing to change. They wanted nothing new. They wanted to stay in their little bubble. They didn't want any, anything different. Mm-hmm. So the babies who were the did not startle and were just curious were most liberal. Mm-hmm. They liked new experiences, new people, new foods, new countries, new, new ideas. Age.
0: And the good news is that you could train the the babies that were more easily startled. You can teach them.
2: Teach them. You can teach them. So that being having something new is nothing to fear, but you have to teach them from when they're small.
0: Okay. Mm. Well, you know what? I like this. I'm going to look more into that study. And I felt like that was a nice, neat, little fun fact. Um, We are going to have to take a pause for the cause and, and, do our housekeeping around here, but I definitely want to come back and discuss the restrictive covenant bill and how that might impact communities uh, nationwide nationwide. Exactly. So stick around. We'll be back with more.